Welcome to the UP Notable Books Club, brought to you by the Upper Peninsula Publisher and Authors Association. Four members of the Marquette Poets Circle, Marty Ackett, Milton J. Bates, Lisa Fosmo, and Beverly Mathern, will be speaking about Superior Voyage, the group's second anthology. The Marquette Poet Circle was formed in 2012 by Matt Mackey, Claudia Drossen, and Janine Peregrine-Rastel to celebrate poetry and guide each member in finding his or her inner poet. In a true spirit of community, the circle has held workshops, open mic nights, and readings for more than a decade. Superior Voyage includes the work of no less than 42 poets, with each contributor fielding two to six entries. Um, just we're all here tonight to talk about Superior Voyage. Thank you so much for coming. And our next meeting is going to be on the, it's always the second Thursday of the month. So that is going to be, I'm just checking my calendar now, if that's not going to work either. November something, let's see. No, I can't get it to work. November something, the second Thursday in November, and we are going to be doing Shipwrecked and Rescued. So it's a very short book. Um, it's only, I checked today, it's only about 85 pages and lots of graphics and uh, pictures. So it should be a quick read for anybody interested. Please read and join us. And Victor, did you do your um, UPA uh, chat? UPA chat? We're just about to do that. Perfect. Take it away. I'm Take president it of the Upper Peninsula Publishers and Authors Association, which some people call UPA or other people call UPA. Either way, it's <laughs> UPPAA.org, and we invite everyone uh, who's a poet, a writer, who wants to be a poet or a writer, please come and join us, join our uh, our great little gang here, and you can get, uh, includes uh, free admission to our Conference coming up in May 18th, 2024 in Marquette at the beautiful Peter White Library. Now, the most important thing to remember now is there's about 18 days left for you to submit your work to be included in the UP Reader, which is our annual anthology of lots of poetry, lots of short stories, uh, some nonfiction too, all kinds of interesting stuff. And the only thing you have to do to participate is to join UPA and submit your work by November 15th, 2023 to appear in volume eight, which is going to be released on or about April 15th-ish, 2024. So we're really excited. It's going to be a great uh, issue and, and I hope you will all consider submitting your work. Uh, back to you, Evelyn. Okay, I have one question for you Victor. Sure. Victor, when can we expect the I think it's year four of the UP Noble Books list? Right uh, our plan is the first day after the legal holiday in New Year's so that'll be like January 3rd I believe because we want to steal a march on uh, Michigan Notable Books and they won't be out until the following week. Wonderful. So for those of you, I know I see some of you on the screen who are authors. If you have a book that is in the in the running, I wish you the best of luck because we, we do really like our UP Notable Authors. And it's always nice to join you guys here on Zoom monthly. And again, apologies for all the mess, mishaps this month. It's our, our first time, Victor, having trouble, isn't it? 
It's been, we've had such a good run of it. <laughs> good run. We really did. All right. Um, so I guess the first thing I would do is I think Marty is kind of, um, well, he's the head of our, in, at least in my email correspondence, he's been like kind of the head of, of our poetry panel. So Marty, do you, would you like to introduce everyone and, um, uh, you know, start, start the conversation? Sure. I, I wasn't sure what the format was going to be. So um, I'm Marty Ackett, Um, and we have uh, joining us tonight, um, Milton Bates, um, Beverly McLern, and Lisa Fosmo. And um, so guys, I, I, I want to ask you how you want to do this. If you want to read some poems, um, or, or we want to just do a, we have about an hour, right? So um, we could do a 20 minutes each um, and do it that way if that's what you want to do. Um, is that, does that sound good to everybody? Sure, I'm flexible, whatever you okay. choose. Yeah. Now, now do we want to do rock, paper, scissor to see who goes first? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just do alphabetical order? I, uh, I agree. Okay. Okay, well then that would, see Beverly, that puts me first and then um, Milt second and then Lisa third and then you you uh, bringing up uh, as the last person. Does that sound all right to everybody? Sure. Yeah, okay, awesome. You don't um, have to take the whole 20 minutes too. I mean, if you just wanna read some poems or, or talk and then a lot of times us listening, we, we're very informal, you know, on okay. these. Yeah, so we might have questions for each of you as we go. So well, you know, and that, and I would welcome that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if as we're reading, oh, Shelly, you have a question already. Awesome. I, I was just gonna point out that four people for twenty minutes is is eighty minutes. That's more than an hour. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I was an English major, Shelly, not a math major. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> This is why we need Shelly. Yeah, that's, thank you. Thank you for that, Shelly. Yeah. Um, so, yes, you are absolutely correct. And if my my math skills, are, which are very rusty, um, would be, that would be Same. 15 minutes a person then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, why don't we do this? Then um, I, I'll start reading. And um, if anybody has a question or a comment, you know, feel free um, after after a poem or something, if you want to say something or ask a question, um, I'm sure that everybody would be more than welcome. Uh, all the all the readers tonight would be more than welcome to answer any question or comment that you have. Um, and um, and um, how how do you solicit poems? OK. Um, let's see. Um, you know what? Um, I don't know who you're asking that to, as, as to who, how you solicit poems, but um, is that is that from uh, is that for the general group or okay. for the anthology? Okay, mm -hmm. all right. Um, so if you are part of the Marquette Poets Circle, and um, you have uh, read at one of our open mics, we have we have a monthly meeting. Um, that you can join um, at Peter White. Um, we usually do an open meeting and workshop every month. Um, but um, also we have done virtual um, readings as well. So if you're at any event that's like uh, part of the Marquette Poet Circle, um, then you can, um, if you read 
at any one of those. I mean, in the next 10 years, five years actually will be the next uh, anthology. But if you read at any of those, uh, any event that we do, um, you are welcome to solicit, uh, I mean, to submit poems. And um, Rick is very good. Rick Rastel, who is our wonderful, wonderful um, uh, editor of, I mean, he does so much work. And he and his wife, Janine, um, are just um, the saints of the Marquette Poet Circle. Um, and um, they are the ones that, uh, Rick is the one that pulls the anthology together. But um, once once we hit that, where we're getting close to that five-year mark, that's when he'll start sending out um, solicitations for poems from anybody that's participated in the poet circle. So that's how it works. So everybody that's in this anthology um, has either um, read at a poet circle, um, reading um, open mic, um, or has participated in some poet circle event um, in the last five years. So that's how that works. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to read... Um, um, a few poems here. And like I said, please feel free um, to interrupt and ask any question that you want. Um, we're already at 7.14, so I might not read for 15 minutes because I want to give everybody else plenty of time to read tonight too. So um, I'll, I'll read a few poems that I have in the anthology and then maybe um, one one new poem that I, that I have that's not in the anthology as well. Um, but I'm going to start out with... Um, uh, my poem, The Quiet Man, um, which was just published um, in the Marquette Monthly. I was really, really happy to see that. And and um, and people seem to really like this poem. So um, this is called The Quiet Man. And, um, a, you know, as poets, and I know that everybody who's poets here, writers here can attest, when your family knows that you're a poet, um, you become the family poet laureate and they expect you to write poems for everything and anything that happens weddings, baptisms, um, anything like that. This particular poem I wrote that I'm gonna read is um, a poem that um, I wrote on the occasion of my father's funeral. So this is called The Quiet Man. Last night, I dreamed my dad and John Wayne were sitting around a campfire, eating peaches out of a can. Stars thick as cattle herds milled above them and the prairie grass hummed some sweet old song like Red River Valley or Shenandoah. I'm not sure if it was heaven, but my father was young and perfect, the hook of his back as straight as a railroad spike. Duke was young too, the retired prize fighter who chased Marine O'Hara through the green Galway countryside. There weren't any Nazis crawling along the ground in ambush, no, Richard Boone-faced kidnappers, skin leathery as buffalo jerky, trying to steal their sleeping horses. I'm not sure if you can smell in dreams, but I remember smelling manure and smoke and something else, maybe the coming of rain. My dad and Duke didn't talk, just forked golden crescents into their mouths looking as if they were eating solar eclipse after solar eclipse. Their forks made hollow cowbell noises in the dark. When they were done, they tipped the cans to their lips, drank the syrup inside until it ran down their chins. I kept waiting for something more to happen, 
a runaway stagecoach to crash through or a baby elephant nosing for hay. Instead, my dad took a deck of cards from his pocket, started dealing. They played gin rummy hand after hand. My dad let John Wayne win because he was John Wayne. And because that's what my dad did every morning with my mother for years and years. He did it because it was a habit of love. Maybe that's the name of this movie, Habit of Love. It starts out simply enough. Two cards dealt face up. The king and queen of hearts. Um, so um, one of the things that I am known for as a poet, um, for better or worse, is that I write poems about Bigfoot. <laughs> um, I've been working on a manuscript that um, hopefully um, will be ush being, I'm trying to get it into a final shape and form now. So hopefully that's going to be done shortly. But um, there is one Bigfoot poem in the anthology that I uh, wrote. Um, and it's called Bigfoot Meets a Homeless Man on Presque Isle. Um, and um, so I'll, I'll read this poem. And you know what? And we're getting to that point where I want to turn it over to somebody else to read, too, because I don't want to. I want these other wonderful, wonderful poets to be able to read as much as they can. So um, I will just read this next poem and then um, I'll turn it over to our next reader, which will be Milton Bates. So this is called Bigfoot Meets a Homeless Man on Presque Isle. And I can tell you the um, the reason that I wrote this poem was because I was at I was at church one Sunday and um, sitting around. Um, it was it was a Methodist church. And so they always have really good food at Methodist churches. <laughs> I've learned this. Well, they were talking about the homeless problem that um, we that they they the problem that they have in Marquette and um it really bothered me that they used that term homeless problem instead of talking about homeless people and how to help people. Suddenly they were very dehumanized and um, it just bothered me. And so I wrote this poem in response um, to um, that little conversation that um, I overheard. So this one is called Bigfoot Meets a Homeless Man on Presque Isle. The man smells wild. The way a black bear smells after winter's sleep, full of hunger dizzy from root and dark. Bigfoot can take loneliness on a man, a sweaty slick of days spent near the big water, hidden in pine, rooting through garbage cans for leftover french fries, brown apple cores still sweet and seeded, hot dog buns gone chlorophyll green. Bigfoot knows this man will die soon, has seen it before when moose with brainworms stumble off by themselves, or one eaglet shreds a feebler eaglet to get more perch and salmon from their mother's beak. Even this close to lights and cars and houses, survival is all about being bigger, stronger, hairier, scaling trees for nested eggs, scooping silvery spot tails from superior surf, tearing haunches off mewling fawns. Bigfoot wants to help the man, 
this to help the man who has wandered onto this rocky thumb surrounded by waves, wants him to feel wanted as soft leaves or a run of smelt. As the man beds down for the night under a rib cage of branches, Bigfoot knuckles one tree trunk, knocks. Knuckles again, knocks. He does this until he hears hollow, then scratch, chatter. He plunges his hand into the tree, extracts a panicked squirrel. Bigfoot snaps its neck like a cricket leg, holds the carcass to his chest, breathes the last pulses of its pebble heart, then grunts an ape prayer of thanks, a sound like a mother giving birth under a blazing comet to something necessary, needed. Bigfoot leaves the squirrel at the man's sleeping feet, where he'll find it in morning light, an offering of meat, blood, fur, to remind the man that the world loves him. So thank you. There's there's um a couple poems from me. And if I have time and people want, I'll I'll read another one later, but I really want to turn it over to Milton and I'm excited to hear. Um, Milton Reed, so. Before, oh, yeah. Milton, I just have to tell you that we have a Bigfoot motel in Crystal Falls. Oh. Filled <laughs> with a huge gift shop. The gift shop's bigger than the hotel rooms. Of <laughs> so, You know, I, I have been through Crystal Falls. I have seen the hotel. I didn't know there was a gift shop. So. It's an amazing <laughs> gift shop. He's in there. So, oh. You gotta come see me sometime. I I will have to come see you sometime. You know what? When my manuscript is finally done and hopefully gets published, I'm I'm there for you. <laughs> we'll stock their shelves with it. I'm sure they'll buy some copies. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right. Well, um, Milton, why did you take over? Okay, I will do that. Thank you, Marty. Uh, I'm going to follow Marty's good example and uh, read two poems so I can give a little bit of background on each one. And uh, if we have extra time, so much the better, but I hope there will also be questions from uh, listeners in. Uh, the first poem is the only one of a half a dozen of mine in the anthology that was, was not published before. Uh, a lot of them, uh, the others are reprints, uh, but this one appears for the first time in the anthology and it deals with um, a historical event that took place in April of 2015. And uh, I have to give credit for the poem in part to one of our listeners. I noticed that Janine Rastel is uh, with us this evening and she and her husband, Rick, probably deserve more credit than anyone else for the production of the anthology. But in particular, she deserves credit for this poem because uh, at one of our open mics, she challenged me to take this on as a subject and see what I could do with it. Um, well, it took a lot of research to work up the poem, but uh, what really hooked me, uh, I'll tell you in a moment about the, about the hook, uh, but the title of the poem is Missing Sisters Found Safe. And uh, the date is uh, April 27th of 2015. It's when two sisters from out of state took a road trip to visit a third sister in Ishpeming. 
And then they traveled east uh, to get to Mackinac City. However, they decided to take a detour and get a look at Tequamanon Falls. Uh, and in the process, they got lost on a two-track and they weren't uh, found till 13 days later. So uh, it sounds pretty grim, but for me, uh, the hook, uh, as far as the subject matter, was the cuisine that they brought with them for that adventure. And uh, it was Girl Scout cookies and cheese puffs. Uh, it has actually been immortalized on a sign that is now planted on the site where they were rescued by the state police. And if I can uh, show it to you, it's a picture also taken by Janine very recently. So I, I printed it up or my wife printed it up and uh, you'll see this historical marker if you uh, visit the Chris Point Lighthouse nearby, the Chris Point Lighthouse. So I don't know if you can read it from there. Okay, I'll, I'll read it for you. At this spot on April 24th, 2015, the Michigan State Police rescued two sisters from Oklahoma and Nebraska who had their SUV stuck in the snow for 13 days. The sisters survived on Girl Scout cookies, Cheetos, and other snack foods they had with them. That's probably the only time that the word Cheetos has actually appeared on a historical marker in Michigan. <laughs> but there it is. Um, okay. I had uh, a lot of help from the newspapers. I did a, a online search to find out as much as I could about the sisters and how they got lost and what they did while they were lost. But um, a lot of it, I had to fill in the blanks. And so some of this is, is purely uh, fiction, but I hope plausible fiction. So here it goes. Missing sisters found safe. The sisters were sure it was a bear emerging hungry from its den in April. It must have smelled the Girl Scout cookies and cheese puffs. They locked the doors of their Ford Explorer and tried to sleep. At daybreak on day 13, the landscape still looked nothing like the places they called home, Nebraska and Oklahoma. Deep woods and deeper snow, an unplowed two-track to nowhere, but it was all nowhere, wasn't it, in this part of Michigan? Thank God for their Bible, the cheese puffs, and those eight boxes of cookies. <laughs> New this year were toffee-tastic and rah-rah raisins, holding their breakfast ration like communion wafers. They gave thanks, then chewed them slowly, savoring the sugar. Maybe next year, the GSA would issue cookies in their honor Call them, what, Leslie Lees? Assuming they survived, Lee and Leslie would vouch for their virtue in the field, claim they were the peer of Army MREs and NASA food pouches. Not that they had ever tasted either. Just then, they heard a distant roar. The bear was back, or so they thought, until a chopper cleared the treetops. Well, it was about time. They stepped out to wave like those people on the TV news stranded on their roof when a levee failed. Now they would have to explain how they had missed the turn to Mackinac City, which got them both to thinking. Instead of Leslie Lee's, how about 
Nakano runes. <laughs> okay, at the end of this uh, upcoming winter, there will be a um, there will be a, a, a spring uh, this year, and um, with spring comes thaw, and that in fact is the title of my next and, and last poem that I'll be reading. So it's uh, again entitled Thaw. Hearing trickles turn into torrents, we know the bluff behind our house is letting go of winter, flushing it down a dozen gullies into Lake Superior. A neighbor's woods appears to be on life support. Plastic tubing links his maples to a clearing where a fire burns beneath evaporator pans. Our lives too could use support, a little sweetness after months of bitter why not connect those drip lines directly to our veins and save the firewood? Last week, my brother showed me the blisters on his palms, all he had to show for shoveling crushed stone onto 50 yards of liquid clay. The frost is unimpressed by his exertions. It keeps welling up, turning his driveway into a truck trap. You and I have the luxury of nowhere in particular to go. Thaw, we say, drawing out the vowel as the sun draws vapor from the crusty remnants of snow in our backyard. We linger over coffee after supper, savoring the afterglow. Your hands lie relaxed and open on the table as though to gather in what's left of daylight. Thank you. <clears throat> and I should introduce our next reader. So Lisa, Lisa Fosmo uh, is, is another member of the Poet Circle and contributor to the anthology. Hello, everyone. Thank you, Milton. And um, I'm going to read something that I'm going to follow Milt's lead here. And I'm going to read something that was only published for the first time in this anthology. And that... Um, poem is going to be um, Looking for You, a Bear's Elegy, a tribute to Judith Minty. And Judith Minty was a UP poet, and she was quite well known, actually. And um, that's pretty much how I ended up at the Poet Circle, joining the Poet Circle, was I had seen that she had... Um, a tribute to her that was going to be done by the Poet Circle. And I contacted Janine and Rick and Janine are absolutely wonderful. They do so much for the Poet Circle and for all of us. And I contacted Janine and she said, well, of course you can come, but you need to read a poem and you need to write a poem. So this is that poem that I wrote for, for Judith Minty. And um, here it is. Looking for you, a bear's elegy, a tribute to Judith Minty. Wind breathes through trees differently here and whispers on breath, yellow dog, gray wolf, black bear. When I last saw the bear outside my cabin, I heard the loud clash of cymbals crashing as the bear ran for her life with two cubs trailing free. She was only looking for you. 
The fires I kindle and tend to, the fiery breath the wood stove spits back from the small log sauna house as I bathe with buckets and scoops. In the night air, I watch the steam escape my flesh like secret lives my bones betray as I stand naked beneath your stars. When I last saw the bear, he stood on haunches of back legs and peered into my car with eyes of copper kettles that filled with honeycombs as I tried to leave. He was only looking for you. How cold bites at me or the heat of a summer night is forgotten on the sound of wolves howling. I hear them barking at me like territorial dogs from the rocky ledge. As you know, nights are filled with wolves and bears. When I last saw the bear, his massive paw prints haunting me as I often saw them pressed into mud and sacred loam. He was only looking for you. Hidden in minerals, mind of the earth, no more precious than breath riding the breeze on blueberry scent that fuels the forest lungs on thick black fur. When I last saw the bear, he was pounding, pounding his great paws into rock, moaning, thundering with all his weight, as if to say, do not linger in my discomfort. We said nothing to the bear, my dog and I. He was only looking for you, dancing the darkness at its dreams to its very edge. And still, I do not know how to speak or even whisper in their voice. I know we have both touched waters that have washed over the same rocks. I have learned the fear belongs to the bear. And when a bear dies, he is just the snow that melts away, folded into riverbanks of waters that wash over our same rocks. When I last saw the bear, he lives on in legends and poems and in your dreams. We were only looking for you. And also um, something that's interesting about that, I think is um, Judith Minty had a cabin where she came and spent her summers about 30 miles away from where my cabin is, where I like to write. So that was kind of a comforting thought for me, you know, that she also wrote in the woods. And um, then I will read, let me see here. I think, cause I haven't, well, I think I will read a fall poem because it is fall. <laughs> and this one I did actually write at my cabin and which is up in Marquette County. And this poem called The Fall. The Fall. I can't believe how far the year has fallen, how late the sunrise comes. It was summer only yesterday, grateful for this small parcel of time, this short passage that is mine. The old abandoned root cellar dug out near the edge of the woods, an old log washed to the shore, notched for the cabin that once stood here, this place that someone once built, how wondrous it must have been. Now our own place overlooks it all. The blue jays call out, cry like babies. It's almost time for them to leave. I will miss how they greet me each time, fly in low along the dirt road, their backs so impossibly blue in the last of the evening light. 
We have gathered the season's fallen nests, enchanted by the mastery, the crochet of grasses, twigs, and bark leather, the gifts they have held that sing us home. When we have long gone, who will stand in wonder of our timber bones? And those are the two poems that I'm going to read. I don't know if anybody has any questions. But... Lisa, I'd, I'd like to, can you tell us about that painting behind you? It just seemed ironic that you're reading about bear and you've got a <laughs> wonderful bear painting. That is, that is I can only see half of it though. I'll move it a little so you can see it. I was worried my cat would end up in here because he keeps jumping on my desk. But <laughs> that is a um, a painting of, it's actually a print of the dancing bears. And it's one of my favorites. It's an old classic. And it is just bears dancing. And I actually, believe it or not, have seen um, pictures people have taken where bears do appear to be dancing, which is pretty cool. And I don't know um, if anybody is familiar with um, Judith Minty wrote a whole bunch, like a whole book on the bear. And that I know Marty's written a lot about it also because of, because of Judith Minty and the bear. And that was kind of my favorite thing that she wrote about because I had my own experiences with the bear. Um, when I would be up at the cabin or hiking, I often encountered bears and it was just kind of, I was never afraid of them. Um, but it was neat that she was also encountering bears 30 miles away and I was encountering bears and it was just, you know, and we were both writers. Of course, she's a famous writer. I'm not, but it was, it was, it was a nice connection for me, a comfort. So, yeah. And obviously, I mean, I've had this painting forever. It shows that I, I really do love the bears. So <laughs> I just had one comment before we move on to Beverly, like, when I was reading your poems, I was very impressed because you do, a, I think, a great job incorporating movement. I especially like basic beauties. I thought that was really a, a beautiful poem. And I think it's it was kind of an important poem, too, because it's hard sometimes when there's tragedy and then you feel joy. They kind of work as foils against each other. And I think you did a really great job with that one. So I just wanted to. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Anybody else have any questions or, or should I just pass it on now to Beverly? Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Beverly. <laughs> I'm gonna start off with two really short ones. I, I'm going to call them Marquette poems because they're in honor of my significant other, Roger Magnuson, who passed away. It'll be two years, October 30th. So the first one is called Fusion for Roger Magnuson. Famine kiss, serpentine embrace, the joy of it all. How did two specks in the universe collide, hold so fast? And the next is titled, The Gift for Roger Magnuson. That morning, you awoke thirsty. I couldn't give you enough water. You tried to stand at your bedside, but collapsed. Prostrate, you stared at the ceiling, your eyes glassing over. The EMTs carried you out the front door, down ice-glazed steps, 
one stone unstable, throwing them off balance. Truck doors swallowed your body. I didn't know whether I'd see you again. I hold you in a meadow of trillium in Munising, marsh marigolds ablaze along the narrow country road, kiss you in the tenderest way I know. Then I'm going to end uh, with a poem. I'm hoping those are so short that they sort of count as one <laughs> um, that appears both here and in my new book, uh, Love Poems, Teas, Incantations. Let's see. <laughs> Could get it. Sorry. Hard to get that just right, which you can get. It's funny. books. <laughs> okay or on Amazon as you wish. So this is Ware Coon. It's inspired by a painting. And actually uh, it came about because I was asked by an art museum in New Orleans, the Arthur Roger Gallery Art Museum, to write poems and uh, short short fiction pieces for a whole exhibit. <laughs> and this is one of them. I'm sorry that I don't have the painting to show you but it is of a raccoon who is raiding a garbage can and has found three quarters of a king cake and is very, very delighted <laughs> by his find. So I let the poem be a takeoff place and just ran away, ran away with, uh, with what I did. So this is called Were-coon, as in werewolf, except that we have a were-raccoon <laughs> instead of a were-wolf. My name is Clovis Kuhn, but it should be perfect omnivorous eating machine because my greatest obsession is food, 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 all year round, food. Here in the swamp, I get tired of bullfrogs, crawfish, worms. So in early spring, I head to town. There's nothing like roadkill, like lapping up the splat of a dead rat or doe. As weather gets warmer and skies bluer, I raid backyard gardens, small fields, before everything gets canned for winter or packed over for the French market. In March, my middle name is Ravenous. I devour all the young asparagus shoots, all the cauliflower I want. By April, I'm foraging beets and cabbage. By May, I'm laying waste blueberry bushes, carrying off cukes. You'll see me plundering the blackberry patch in June, paws and mug stained purple. I'm gathering figs by August, some sour and rotting. Mmm. I'm looting the grapevines. Give me rancid grapes. Give me overripe watermelon covered with mold. I'm raising the corn patch. Give me kernels fat and crunchy. In September, October, I'm demolishing collard greens, digging for yams. I'm pillaging persimmons in November. In December, parsnips, clementines. And give me nuts, 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 my favorite. They fatten me best for winter. 
I get all the acorns I want in the swamp, but here in town, I'm ransacking cupboards and pantries for pecans, filberts. I'm raiding groves once aphids set in, caterpillars and larvae set in, boring holes in shells. Now is February, and my cousin, Alphonse Kuhn, invites me to a king cake party in New Orleans. Well, I already got a mask. Who's going to know whether I'm a raccoon or a petit Frenchman in disguise? I get there and all along the back wall of the dance hall are king cakes. Don't give me a little bitty piece, I say to myself, and run away with a whole cake, the one containing the baby Jesus, it so happens. I devour it, its oodles of frosting, purple, green, and gold, under the full moon, my favorite prowling time. The moon strokes my fur, settles like doubloons in my black eyes. I bury my nose in its beams, gulp them like thick honey, until I feel the white breath of Midas on my body. Next thing I know, I'm morphing into something I'm not. I'm growing taller. Something's happening to my ears. They're relocating to the sides of my head like a human's. My teeth are getting bigger and sharper. My nails, normally petit and pointy, are getting longer and more hooked like Madame Grandois's claws. I see witches flying about Bats darting, wolves howling. I'm chasing after Cajun boys and girls, the ones who tell lies, steal toys, stay out too late at night. Then I see the fiddler heading home after the dance. I'm right on his heels, biting his blood, his butt. Blood, blood, give me blood. I'm piercing his neck with my big canines, sucking more blood, suck, suck, all I can get. I let him go, collapse, conk out a bit. When I wake, it's morning, and I'm so tired, I can hardly walk home, but I do. <laughs> I stumble up the road into the swamp, craving moss and sleep. Bullfrogs drill my ears. I sniff the muddy air and vaguely remember something about sweet cake, frosting, <laughs> and a tiny baby, its moon face smiling down on me from the stars. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Beverly. Those were nice. Thank you. Are there any questions or comments from anybody on in the chat here that we that the poets could answer or talk about? Well, I've I, got one thing to start it rolling. You know, Marty, it's I it's so nice to hear you poets read the poems. Have you ever considered or you know when you make the next anthology in 5 years having a well, I mean, years ago, it'd probably be a CD that comes with it. But now even just some link to having you all read the poems for people, because it makes a difference, I think, you know, that really makes them come alive. 
Um, you know, um, that would be really wonderful. Um, you, um, but you know, I'm going to bow to Rick and Janine on this. I mean, I think that the technology of that is, has become much easier to do, but it, but, um, I, I always say this when I'm trying to organize poets into anything, because Janine sort of stepped down as the head of the poet circle and I took over and trying to coordinate poets is like wrangling feral cats sometimes. <laughs> it's next to impossible. Um, so it, it, it's, and there are so many people that are in this anthology. I mean, just wonderful, wonderful writers. You, you, you've got a, a flavor of the, the anthology tonight with um, the four poets, really, well, three poets and myself, really wonderful poets. Um, who um, just are are astounding um, if you look at their their resumes. Um, but um, I do I do think that um, poetry is an oral art form, and um, the best way to experience poetry is to hear poetry. Um, not that it's it's bad hearing it, uh, reading it on the page, but there's there's something like you said, Evelyn, really really um, powerful about hearing the poet's voice as well, um, and. Um, yeah, I, I, I do agree that it would be really, really wonderful. I am not the person that's going to organize that kind of thing, though. <laughs> but you know, uh, if I may say, uh, Janine Rastel is quite aware of the power of the spoken voice and has organized quite a number of shows in which we have read our poems and we have paired them with, uh, with paintings or with various kinds of images. And in the actual exhibit, you you can, uh, so to speak, press a button and hear the poet reading the poem. And that those have been just wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, and I, too, I mean, where else can you get an anthology of poetry where two of the poets have poems about roadkill and those two poets <laughs> are with us tonight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, Beverly and Milton. I'd like to see a little more roadkill in the next. <laughs> I hope the seasons didn't throw you for a loop. They're quite different in Louisiana compared to here. Janine <laughs> oh, just put in the, the comments that the, the Gordon Publications website, which is Gordon Publications is the one that put out the anthology, um, has um, recordings, um, has many of the recordings from the Superior Voyage uh, book launch. So you could you could go and go to oh. the um, website for Gordon Publications and hear more of the poets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because we did have a big book launch um, where many of the poets were there reading. So mm -hmm. that's a good point. And also, I would just like to say quickly that I have a new book out also. Um, yeah. And I have a launch coming up on November 6th at Peter White Public Library. And... This um, this book is actually being made into an audiobook where I will be reading it that will be available also before too long. So is what? that the exciting news? Is that the exciting news you were gonna share with me, Lisa? No, about the no. audiobook. Well, oh. actually have the audiobook is coming out. So, you know, I signed a contract for that and I have a studio booked where I will be the one reading it. So awesome. that's great. <laughs> Yep. So that's that's a good point. So Lisa's got a book launch on November sixth. Beverly, you were holding up a book there. Now is that already available? That's your new. Uh, it is. Uh huh. It's available at Snowbound mm -hmm. and on Amazon and from the publisher. 
Wonderful. Okay. Also available right now on Amazon and it is available at Canterbury bookstore in. Um, yeah. Where is that bookstore? In Escanaba. Oh, okay. Okay. Canterbury. Wonderful. Now, what about you, Marty and Milton? What do you've got? Anything new or anything that we should be buying? Um, Milton, why don't you go first? <laughs> okay. Uh, oops. Nope. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm on. Good. I got the microphone going. Um, I have a collection called Stand Still in the Light, and that is available on Amazon, of course, but also uh, through Snowbound Books. I think they had one or two copies left. Um, I know there are several copies at the Regional History Museum in Marquette, and there's also a gift shop on um, on Washington Street. I think it's fin Finlandia Gifts had a number of copies for a while. They may be sold out, but anyway, the the place I'm sure it's available would be uh, would be the uh, History Center. And then there are two chapbooks, um, some of which are available on Amazon. Um, Bookstores don't like to carry chapbooks because they're so thin that they disappear. You know, the, the spines just disappear bet between the larger books. Uh, but actually, in my case, the collection includes most of the poems in the um, in the chapbooks anyway. So that's that's the volume to look for. There's another in the works, but it's still circulating, looking for a home. Thank you, um, Marty. Um, well, for me, I mean, if you really are into the Bigfoot stuff, um, I have um, <laughs> I have two spoken word albums. One is called Slow Dancing with Bigfoot. Um, and also um, one, the other one is called Christmas with Bigfoot. Um, and uh, Slow Dancing with Bigfoot has a lot of the Bigfoot poems on it. Um, Christmas with Bigfoot has um, both poems and essays on it. And um, it was a collaboration with um, a band uh, whose uh, leader I know and really well is a good friend of mine called Streaking in Tongues. And so um, the, those, two, those two spoken word albums are available through Bandcamp on Amazon. You can get those. Um, I do have a collection. It's a little, it's a little older now, um, but it's called Mysteries of the Rosary, which you can get through Amazon. And I'm also currently um, working on a third spoken word, word album. I'm thinking this is going to be the last Bigfoot one um, of spoken word, and it's called um, Jazzing with Bigfoot. So that should be coming out um, probably at the beginning of January, I think. So exciting, like a trilogy of spoken word Bigfoot with wow. with music with music. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a really really wonderful. I you know I think pairing music and poetry, it's just a natural thing. And uh, working with um working with Ronnie, um from Streaking in Tongues, um has been a really wonderful collaboration with me. I mean he. He gets me, and um, which not a lot of people do in my life sometimes, <laughs> including my family. So, um, uh, yeah, they it, it just uh, it's been a really wonderful collaboration for me. Mm -hmm. I, I will say, want... this... sorry. Oh, sorry, I will say this much: I have all of the works of these people, and they are all fabulous. So I can attest to that. <laughs> I did want to mention that. Um... For the first time in my life, I am going to be writing a book that is strictly UP-based. Uh, mm. And because of that, it will not be a bilingual book. My books usually are in both French and English. And it is going to be a book of haiku. 
because as poet laureate, you know, I'm driving across the entire UP and seeing things <laughs> on the highway, on the grounds where, you know, at, at a bed and breakfast where I stay and I, walking mm. in the woods and learning all kinds of things. And I have 75 haiku so far. Mm. And so I'm going to, I'm so excited about this and it'll be my homage to the UP. I love it. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's so exciting to have you guys all talk about your work with us and read poems with us tonight. Does anyone out in the audience have any questions or comments or things they would like to talk about? I, I would like to ask a little bit about what happens when the Marquette Poets Circle gets together. Do, do, you, do you just read your poems to each other? Do you give each other feedback or workshop poems? What What is the yeah. protocol there? Yeah, um, well, the meeting is, the our meetings, monthly meetings are sort of uh, um, two part. Um, the first one, if you come at 6.30 um, in the evening when it starts off, um, people can bring copies of poems and um, we there's there's quite a few poets there and um, really talented poets and uh, we workshop our poems and workshop whoever brings a poem um, and you can just even if you've never been to a market poet circle workshop uh, or meeting before you can just walk in with five or six poems and we will we will workshop those poems for you and then um, we do that for about 45 minutes um, and then after that, at 7.15, um, we have about a 45-minute open mic where anybody that wants to show up um, can uh, read um, their poetry. Um, some people tell stories. Um, I've, I've had some musicians that we've had musicians there that have sung too. Um, so it's really just a, a, an evening where um, you, get the, you get the full gamut. You, get, you can get help with your poetry. Um, sometimes we've done little writing workshops. If nobody has poems to workshop, um, we'll do prompts where people can sit and read, uh, write some poetry. Um, so yeah, um, that's that's sort of the the format of it. Um, and um, you know, it varies from month to month depending on um, who shows up. Um, but it's always on the second Thursday of the month um, at Peter White in the Shiris Room. And if you can't make that, but do want to be part of it, um, you can contact me and I send out, I'll send out Zoom links and we get you on the big screen and then you can be like big brother watching us from above as well. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I know Shelly had a question and then we got to go to the chat. So go ahead, Shelly. It wasn't a question, it's a comment and just how much I appreciated hearing the poets actually read tonight. Um, and Beverly, especially the second one that you did, um, I have to say when I read that in the book, I probably read it as exactly how you spoke it. Um, and I remember Good. having tears come to my eyes over that particular poem. Um, but that leads me to my comment about poetry in general and, and everyone, you know, talking about when you hear poems versus read them, how much more they mean. And I, I think tonight was a perfect example of that. I can't help my phone going off. Um, perfect example of that, I, you know, feeling like I could actually see those leaves, feeling like I could see that darn raccoon, um, <laughs> you know, those, feeling like I could see Bigfoot. Um, yeah. I just felt like I was actually experiencing that. And so thank you again for reading. All thank of you. you. 
Thank you. Um, yes. In the chat now, this is, I maybe somebody can help help with this. Oop, I'm not in the right spot. Chat, I hit the right button. I wanted to get a copy of an old chap book from Rebecca Pelkey called Through a Red Place. Does anyone know where to get that one or who she is? Um, I that name does not ring a bell with me. I don't know if anybody else. I don't know. Rebecca Pelkey. Um, yeah. Uh, Where is she from? Do you know? Because if you if you know where she's from, very often the hometown I, library I will have mom, them. I I think I do know her mom, Karen. Um, and I do know she is a poet, and I'm not sure. I would say Google it. Or, or go on to Amazon and I bet you can find it. That would be my best guess. I do know her mother and she's a love okay. and, and she is, she is her mother <laughs> because we have spoken about that before. So. Well, Nina, I hope that answers your question. I know I have one um, question for Milton. I know when I was reading your poems, I really, my question is, I think you do an amazing job incorporating humor. And I know as a reader, I always love reading things that are humorous, but I don't think that's easy to do. Do you have any like tricks on how to, how to make that happen so well? Well, I'm, I'm glad that I, let's see if I've got a microphone. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm, I'm glad that some of it comes across as humorous and it's because uh, it, it, you're right. It is hard to get it. Exactly right. If you're going for a laugh, you're probably not going to get it. Um, you have to find a, a subtle way to introduce um, humor slyly, I think, into poetry because it um, is a fairly subtle art and it's got to kind of creep up on you. Um, and I, I don't have any secret to doing that. I think it changes with each subject. Um, there's a wonderfully humorous poem. I don't think I have time to read it by another contributor to the anthology where um, I, I could illustrate the way it sneaks up on you. But um, what do we have in the way of time? Probably not enough. Uh, it's OK. If, what, OK. Go for it. <laughs> uh, we, we have uh, 42 contributors to the anthology. And obviously, there aren't 42 of us on the screen tonight. Uh, and I thought uh, I, I would pay tribute to another contributor, um, Jesse Koenig, and uh, some of the members of the Poet Circle are familiar with his work. But this, this, this is the way uh, a, a humorous piece can surprise you. It's called Silver Lining. Crossing the street, one raindrop hit her forehead. One big raindrop on an otherwise sunny day. She stopped in her tracks. She looked for birds, swabbed the substance off with her finger, sniffed it, <laughs> stared at it, tested it for an explanation. She smiled and looked up, searching for a rainbow. In her peripheral, a cloud formed, and then it hit her, hit her like a bus, exactly like a bus. Indeed, it was a bus, and she lay in the road bleeding all over her favorite coat, the one with the silver lining. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it, it's kind of dark humor. It's dark. 
are many right. different kinds. <laughs> yeah, I just appreciate that, Milton. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed that when I was reading your poetry. And thanks for bringing up. That's another one that I liked when I read the anthology. So it is, <laughs> it can't, it can't be easy. I, I think it's just a knack some people have and you, you have it. So thank you. For well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, just to follow up on the Rebecca Pelkey, Janine, Janine is the whiz on this, but Janine says it is on the Amazon, that book yeah. by Rebecca Pelkey and at Perugia Press. So there you go. Thank you. Any other comments or questions tonight? Wow. Well, this was, I think, very enjoyable. It's, it's, you're, the, the dynamics of it. And when you talked about her, Hurting poets was like cats. When we couldn't get the Zoom to work on the original day, Tyler, I was like, oh, how are we going to get these poets all to come together on another day this month? I, it was a, a miracle. So thank you very much. <laughs> so it did work. Um, but it is always difficult when you have a little bit more than, you know, just one person you're dealing with. So I appreciate all of you very much and good luck with your your new work and Beverly, congratulations on being the UP Poet Laureate this year. I'm sure you've heard that Thank before. You. But thank you. Thank yeah, you very much. You as one of our, our panelists <laughs> tonight. And yeah, thank you. Victor, do you have any final thoughts? Sure, I can wait five or ten years for the next anthology. Let's get a move on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. It is really, really wonderful to 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 have this. And so mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Um, just one little quick two pieces of business. Next month, the date is November 9th for Shipwrecked and Rescued Cars and Crew, The City of Bangor by Larry Jorgensen. And then just lastly, um, I just want to mention that Yupa, along with the Friends of the Crystal Falls Library, they're the ones who participate in paying for these events to happen. And we are so lucky because our friends of the Crystal Falls Library have been selected to be a CoVantage CARES recipient. I know a lot of you are not in the area, but what that means is the CoVantage Credit Union will match dollar for dollar anything our friends can earn in a two-week window at the end of November through December 12th. Oh. So I'll be sending some information in the emails about that in case anybody feels like donating because the friends do a lot of work for us. And like I say, any dollar we, we get donated during that time will be doubled by the, by the credit union, which is amazing. And lots of planning we will be doing. We've got 15 full days here at the library of stuff we'll be doing to try to shake some money out of people, people's pockets. Um, but you guys always are, are good helpers to everything we do. So thank you for that. And you'll hear more about that later. And thank you everyone for helping us out. And we'll see you in the future. Hopefully some of us, I'd like to go to one of those Marquette circle meetings. How about you, Tyler? <laughs> yeah, it's the same night as our, as this, but we'll have to. But, but remember in the month of December, we're off. That's we true. Do not have UP Notables in the month of December. So Tyler, if the weather's good, I should drive up. I'd love to go to one of your poetry circles, Marty. They just yeah. sound really good. And, and that would be a really good month because that's going to be our annual uh, Christmas holiday get together. So 
there'll probably be food and and uh, uh, along with everything else too. So that would be a really good month. Can you guarantee some king cake though for driving? <laughs> I I wish I could because let me tell you, um, uh, I'm I've been enjoying this extended fall that we've been having. So <laughs> no, I read something somewhere that we're not expecting snow until December, and that, however, after December that we'll have a very cold winter. But between now and December, it's supposed to be kind of mild. I can't remember where I read that. <laughs> I'll take it. Although no, <laughs> it's good for you poets. I think it does help you. You know, you can't get <laughs> right more for us. So <laughs> have a wonderful evening. Thank you, Victor. Thank you, one and all. You've been watching the UP Notable Books Club, brought to you by the Upper Peninsula Publisher and Authors Association. To join or for more information, please visit us at www.upa.org or www.upnotable.com.